Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, after a summer of uncertainty, Parliament is almost ready to resume. Over the last few months, we've learned that we can never let our guard down. The fight against COVID-19 is far from over, so we must stay focused on the task ahead. We need to rebuild our economy while keeping Canadians safe. What does COVID-19 mean for the possibility of a fall election? The wisdom of sending people to a vote in the middle of, the, of a pandemic when uh, the focus is really about uh, you know trying to protect people's health and so on. And I think there'd be some, some backlash for any party that made that happen. And opposition parties speculate on the focus of Wednesday's speech from the throne. Well, I won't be surprised if the Prime Minister says some of the right things says some of the things that Canadians want to hear, some of the things that we want to hear. But what I am worried about is that they'll just be empty words. It's Monday, September 21st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Hello, Peter. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Uh, We're back at it after... (laughs) Uh, several months uh, not having a chance to talk to each other. Here we go. Yeah, and it's certainly been an eventful summer in Canadian politics, no question about that. Uh, More eventful, I think, than many others, Uh, and not just with the coronavirus developments, uh, but also a new Conservative leader, and there's a new finance minister, many other things to talk about as well. And as we look forward to this this fall session of Parliament, obviously uh, there is a lot of focus on the speech from the throne, the possibility of an economic update like no other coming up on the heels of that as well. And the big question uh, kind of overarching all of this is, uh, will there be an election? So what are some of the things you'll be watching for first in the speech from the throne? Well, I'll be watching uh, to see exactly, you know, what the what the government's uh, vision is for the months ahead. And, and I think it's been well documented that what started out, you know, uh, or a month ago when the prime minister prorogued, which was going to be a chance, the government thought to reset the agenda to a, a vision of economic recovery and a green recovery, and essentially. If, you know, talking to different um, government sources, a, a retooling of the kind of economy we have to, as the Prime Minister likes to say, build back better. That's where it started, and it's clear now the government has completely backed away from that. We're going to hear all about that in the speech from the throne, but this is really a speech from the throne that's kind of like every other sort of government. You know, last time we had an economic uh, update from the former Prime Minister, Finance Minister Bill Morneau, you know, you'll remember, Mark, he called it an economic snapshot, uh, you know, sort of capture a moment in time. I think this speech from the throne is going to feel more like that. It's going to feel like it's uh, the next round of economic supports and and measures to protect Canadians uh, against a resurgence of COVID-19. We're going to hear uh, certainly uh, some talk, because the government's not going to abandon that completely, uh, about a different kind of Canada, a new economy, uh, with a dumb bunch of different measures to, um, you know, uh, allow the country to transform to some extent after the pandemic. But really the focus is going to be about how to get us through. Uh, if we're in a second wave or close to it, uh, Canadians still need to be protected. Canadians still need to have economic support. So that's going to be the, the thrust of it. So I'm going to I'm going to be watching for exactly uh, what the government's plans are for, uh, you know, making sure that Canadians are supported 
through this pandemic. We know that we're spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $400 billion. Uh, the deficit is now for this year, and the, the debt's somewhere around a trillion. So exactly what's the government got in mind? I mean, how much more protection can it give to Canadians and how much uh, more spending is it willing to do to help Canadians get through you know, this this second wave of a pandemic, if that's where we're heading, and it seems to be. Yeah, and, and that's such a, a major turning point, obviously, because I think there was a scenario that some people were hoping for during the course of this summer that maybe by the end of this year that we'd be into a new phase of this and where government supports wouldn't be needed in such large measure anymore. Uh, is is it, if there are, uh, if there continues to be an increase in cases during the fall, does that mean things like the uh, wage subsidy and, and other benefits are going to continue into 2021? Well, I think that's what we watch for, right? I mean, if what's the plan if we get into a second wave? Are we back to... Uh, you know, basically shuttering the economy like we did uh, in round one of the pandemic? Or, you know, is it is it more regional? Is it more sectoral? And I think that's a, a big question mark for a lot of people. But I, you know, I think the government's made it clear, and Christian Freeland said it, I think, last week, uh, said, look, let's be very clear. Our the number one priority for our government is to get Canadians through the pandemic. I read that as saying, you know, spending is just not going to be an issue. If we have to turn on the taps again to get people through this, um, that's what the government is planning to do. And in spite of the fact that we've heard some, um, you know, uh, some voices in the country saying, look, you you got to watch how much spending you do here. I think the government realizes there's there's not a whole lot of political downside at this point to opening the spending taps again if it needs to, to keep Canadians safe, to keep Canadians whole, as the government likes to say, to keep as much money in their pockets as they can if if we get another shutdown and people can't work. Um, you know, so I, I think that's, that's what I'll be watching for is exactly how much more spending the government's prepared to do, and I get the sense is that they'll spend what they have to spend to make sure that people are safe and that uh, people, uh, you know, are in a in a as good a position as possible for when the economy does reopen. They haven't lost so much ground that they're not able to participate. All right, so let's turn to the prospect of a fall election, which many people were debating and discussing over the summer. Uh, given that two federal leaders now, Yves-François Blanchette and Aaron O'Toole, have tested positive for the coronavirus in the last few days... Um, does that change the the trajectory? Uh, were we potentially headed to a fall election, or was that unlikely anyway? And does this change anything? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I never thought we were. Um, you know, a speech from the throne. You know, it's it's as you know, it's high level stuff. It's a, it's sort of aspirational. Uh, there's not a whole lot to sort of hang your hat on in terms of bringing a government down unless you intend on bringing the government down and you're looking for the first opportunity and a confidence vote to do that. So there's always that, there was always that possibility. But I think a lot of things worked against that, the notion of an election in a pandemic. And sure, we've seen one at a provincial level in New Brunswick. We may see a couple more. But a federal election during a pandemic is a little bit different, notwithstanding the fact the prime minister said, look, uh, it would be irresponsible to say that it would be irresponsible to have an election in a pandemic. If we're going to have one, he says, you know, uh, uh, there's a way to make that happen. But, um, you, you know, I just uh, you get the sense 
you know, talking to just talk to your neighbors and talk to you know people around you. But uh, the wisdom of sending people to a vote in the middle of, the, of a pandemic when uh, the focus is really about, uh, you know, trying to protect people's health and so on. And I think there'd be some some backlash for any party that made that happen. And then it's uh, even less uh, likelihood, obviously, with, uh, you know, Yves-Francois Blanchet and Aaron O'Toole, I guess, if, uh, if the government fell on the throne speech, I guess, depending on where they are in the isolation process, would be running a campaign from their living rooms at this point in isolation. So I don't see that. I never thought it was a big likelihood. I think the really thing to watch for is, you know, the more likely possibility of a, of a late fall snap election would be when the government tries to put whatever visionary plan it has or, or protections for Canadians into into a, you know, a, a fiscal envelope sometime late November, early December, when we are likely to get a a fiscal update or a mini budget. And if it looks like the money is being spent in the wrong place or is, you know, being spent um, against the sort of prevailing wisdom from the provinces and from other federal parties, and in fact, it runs sort of offside of what Canadians thought was going to happen, uh, then I think that's when you would likely see uh, a vote. And there's not necessarily a uh, there'll be measures around a fiscal update and, and a budgeting process that would be confidence votes, I suppose. So that's what I'd be watching for. If parties are really serious about bringing the government down, I think it would be around that more than a speech from the throne. Now, some Canadians will be voting this fall uh, in two Toronto-area by-elections. So at a minimum, that will happen. Uh, those were announced a few days ago. Um, is there anything at stake in these, uh, really, or... Is it, uh, I mean, it's always important in a minority parliament to to kind of gauge where Canadians stand on things, but um, w- will these really change anything? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much to read into those by-elections when we get them. Um, you know, I, I suppose, you know, um, I haven't really sort of run this by anybody, but my my head tells me that, you know, if people are generally satisfied with the the work the government's been doing in the, uh, in trying to keep them as safe as possible in the pandemic and and deal with the economic challenges of the pandemic, um, you know, do do does the government get rewarded simply by virtue of the fact that people might just say, look, the status quo is fine, if anybody's even paying attention? I mean, it'll be a you know, I guess the key one is in. Uh, Toronto Centre, the, the the riding of the former finance minister Bill Morneau, so that that'll be worth paying particular attention to, I guess. But um, I'm not sure. I see I see the sort of uh, you know the uh, the makings of a of a send the government a message uh, right. by election uh, scenario, which is often the case. Yeah. You, know, you know, people will want to say something and, and you know, send a message to the government. I'm not sure I, I see that in these by-elections. I think they're uh, they're being called. They'll take place, and I'm not sure what sort of influence they'll have over the, the wider picture. All right. Going to be a very interesting week and several months in Canadian politics. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. That's good to get started again, Mark, and we'll talk to you again soon. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. The fight against COVID-19 is far from over, so we must stay focused on the task ahead. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At cbc.ca, Doug Roth argues, the speech from the throne must not neglect pre-pandemic health commitments. Roth writes, 
COVID-19 has upended political, economic, and social plans. But this does not mean the government can simply forget its pre-pandemic health commitments. It still has an obligation to Canadians to bring them to fruition. Implementing vital health policies will help Canada manage current challenges and will make us stronger for other inevitable events in our future. In the Globe and Mail, Kevin Lynch and Paul Deegan call for a throne speech that focuses on growing the economy. They write, There will be promises of expensive ornaments on the tree, but the litmus test for business owners and workers is whether the speech puts forward a credible and ambitious post-pandemic economic recovery plan. Governments cannot solve all problems, but they can create the conditions to make the private sector more successful. This is a time for stimulus that is well-designed, leverages the private sector, and is focused on growing the economy. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears argues the throne speech offers a chance for all parties to hit the reset button. Sears writes, It has become a cliché for pundits to endlessly repeat that now is not the time for finger-pointing. Now is the time for commitment to political burden-sharing. Clichés retain their power when they underline truths, as this one surely does. Let's debate competing visions of the future, but only after we have won this war. The next few crucial weeks will launch, and perhaps end, some political careers. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings today. He will also speak with Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, September 21st. Tune in to CPAC for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis and all the political news of the day. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.